Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what is Mike Time? Mike Time is a set of short stories that have happened throughout my lifetime, experiences of mine throughout my lifetime, that have taught me lessons that I hope will be of value to you. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, deliver advice that sharpens your focus, as well as providing expert information regarding real estate, finance, and market conditions. Welcome, Molly. I think of you as Molly O'Dell, but you're Molly Coleman now. Yep. Um, sure. We've known each other for 12 years? Yeah, just maybe, about. Maybe longer. Yeah. I think I met you when you were... 18. Yeah. Yeah. We started in this industry. Yeah, unreal. You came by our Keller Williams office, and that's where we met you for the first time. Oh, yeah. Um, fell in love with you then. Oh. More in love with you now. <laughs> Um, just for the record, I am her biggest fan, one of her biggest fans. You have to fight your um, mom for the Yeah, I have to fight her mom. I just met <laughs> your mom, by the way, and she's amazing. Like we were just talking about, she's so excited to be a grandma. She's the best. I gave you a hug earlier, so I can't give you a hug now because we're, we're a little constrained. <laughs> but I thank you so much for being a part of the Mike Litton experience. And as you know from our previous conversations, our mission is everybody has a story. Yeah. And our passion is to help them tell it. Oh, I love it. You were involved with me in my last, you actually were a sponsor in my last, on my last radio show. Yeah. And one of the things that I loved the most was you and other people would bring people in that I'd never met before. And I had an opportunity to get to know them. Now, you know, in, in radio, there's a net 36 minutes for yeah. every hour, right? So we're on an hour every day, five days a week on KCBQ. It was called the Mike Litton Show, by the way. Um, and and so there, we had multiple guests, and they wanted me to talk about other things, too. And so we were a little constrained in terms yeah. of time. So I, ever since I gave that up in 2014, I've been wanting to do this. It's a nine-year dream that, that has come true. And it's finally here. It's finally here. We're not constrained by time. We're not constrained by news breaks and hard news breaks and commercials and all that kind of thing. So that's the thing that juices me the most is I just absolutely love this. I love the stories that we hear about people's lives. Yeah. And so what we're going to do, if you're okay with it, is we're going to start with where you were born. We're going to come all the way full circle to where you are today, and then we'll talk about anything you want to talk about currently. I know you're with Finest City Escrow here yep. in San Diego, and we're actually in their studio. Thank you so much for letting us use <laughs> of it. Of course. Um, so it's a little bit different than what you guys normally see, obviously. Um, the, what's going to happen is the people on my staff and my daughter and all these people, they're all going to say, go do it there from now on. Right. Because we, 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 we have a mobile setup, and what we typically do is we typically turn like this, and all you see is, is my profile, which is not pretty, apparently. <laughs> and so they've told me that. And so, you know, now we have an opportunity to actually be on video where they can see my face. And, yeah, it's we're, we're going to hear it. I guarantee it. So, so tell me about where you were born. San Diego. I'm a San Diego native. You're a native. Born and raised here in San Diego now for nearly 31 years. Yeah. Um, born at Grossmont Hospital, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure if I'm wrong, my mom's going to 
come for me. Um, but I was born and raised in San Diego, specifically East County. Okay. So I was born um, right there in La Mesa, and then I grew up in Lakeside, California. Okay. So small little quaint town. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say it's a hick town. It's almost a farm town. It almost the feel, is. Just the, the feel is almost a farm town. Absolutely. Too. And I uh, Lakeside was, you know, the place that raised me, so I'm yeah. very fond of it. Um, grew up in this area can't leave too far and now live up in North County, San Diego, right next to you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, still consider East County home. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your favorite thing about growing up in Lakeside? You know, now as a mom, I see Lakeside very differently than what I was raised. Right. So growing up, I don't know how in-depth you want me to get. We can get as in-depth as we want. All right. So growing up. We like up, to get in-depth here. <laughs> It may just be a story that not a lot of people have heard before, okay. so we're about to open let's, it up. Let's tell stories nobody's heard before. So, growing up in Lakeside, um, we were right there on the main drag. So, okay. my parents were married. We were in this small three-bedroom house that had a greeny flat above the garage. My parents were, like, one of the first with ADUs. It was a small home. I grew up a very humbly, very humble lifestyle. Right. My dad worked his tail off, which led to my mom being able to stay home with us until she no longer could and got a part-time job at a nail salon or did little things here or there. Um, but we were like the definition of a latchkey kid, yeah. right? So my mom locked the door when she left for work for a couple hours and prayed that we were there when she got back. Right. Um, so my favorite things about growing up in Lakeside, specifically, it's such a diverse crowd of people. Mm -hmm. You have very wealthy people that live in East County, you know, Blossom right. Valley in the El Cajon area. Mm -hmm multi-million dollar home so i was had friends like that i also had friends that very, had very humble beginnings like i did where you know food on the table was a blessing yeah. electricity is a blessing um you know i was raised around a lot of agriculture my mm -hmm. high school as i would leave cheer practice i'd have people walking their sheep next to me yeah. so we weren't this big flashy school we yeah. had a big agriculture program um have a really good arts program as well. Mm -hmm. I grew up doing plays and drama and singing and all that because that's what Lakeside had to offer. Absolutely. So there's a lot of really good things about Lakeside. I think it's a very overlooked area. You also do have, you know, like I said, those multi-million dollar homes. You also have a lot of low-income housing or um, what do we call it now? The opportunity housing? Well, I don't know what they call it, but you could call it that. Yes, yeah. low-income families. Yeah. Um, I think there's an opportunity zone out there. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you're raised with a lot of different people. I got to see all different walks of life living in Lakeside, and that's something that I'll truly think was, like, foundational in my life. Oh, sure. Um, so I, you know, there's there's a lot to love about out there. Yeah. And you have the hometown pride. Absolutely. You know, we have Main Street out there that they do. They still do the rodeo out there every yeah. single year, um, multiple rodeos. Every single holiday, you know, on Main Street, they shut down. All the businesses come out and support you get you don't get that sense from everywhere that small town pride that you get from lakeside hometown pride yeah yes yeah. and a lot of people may not see that from the outside they may only see um the lower income parts or the apartment complexes with kids running around without shoes on and all that but you love it mm -hmm. you you get the love out there too yeah so cool way to grow up it, you don't get that everywhere no you don't That's you grew up in a big city feel you know we played till the street lights came on my next-door neighbors were still great friends with. I think there was five or six kids in the house next door. So we went back and forth without our parents knowing, hopping over fences. You know, it's just the way that you were raised where it's that that old-timey feel. The wild child thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where I it started. I find it hard to imagine. <laughs> so what did your dad do for a living? Construction. Okay. 
So, you know, the episode So he really did work his tail off. He, he did, and he still does. Yeah. Um, he now is working for a large company. He moved out of state recently, so he can have the opportunity to retire a little bit early because, as you know, being a physical laboring guy his entire life, yeah. he's tired. Yeah. And I can tell you that being 56, I know how that feels. Yeah. yeah. And so he's exhausted. They moved out to Arizona just recently, and he still is... Um, I don't know what his exact title is, but he's bossing people around. Yeah. Now he's running stuff, and he's got my brother recently into the trade. So my brother is now doing the same thing, a superintendent for jobs, but he travels. Um, and he goes to these off-site places where they need his help. Yeah, his um, expertise, yeah. Yeah, and you know the construction world. Sometimes it's really busy. Sometimes it's really flourishing, and he's had these opportunities in life that are huge, and sometimes it's not. Yeah. Um, and my lifestyle was dictated by what the construction field was doing. Yeah, and the and the ebbs and flows of the of the business cycles. Exactly. Yeah. And my mom and dad cannot stand each other. It has been they've been divorced for more for longer than they've ever been married. They cannot stand in the same room with each other. However, both of them will agree that their biggest contribution was my dad working his tail off so my mom could stay home with us for twelve years. Yeah. Which nowadays is such a hard thing to have a single family household you know, income household. And my dad gave that to her. So she probably doesn't have another positive word to say about him. He probably doesn't have another positive word to say about her. But that is the one thing they could agree on, that that was the smartest thing they did as parents. Yeah, we actually did that, too. We actually, before we got married, we went through premarital counseling. Yeah. And with my ghostwriter that I was telling you about, the yeah. former pastor. Um, and one of the things, he called it the most excruciating experience of his life. Not because of her, because of me. <laughs> um, but... One of the things that we did was we came up with a game plan, and the game plan with regard to kids was we wanted to have kids. We knew that. We took the first five years and said we're not having children the first five years. We're just gonna we're just gonna be married. Well, we're gonna enjoy each other. We're gonna travel. We're gonna get into a rhythm, and we're gonna get my mortgage business. It was a mortgage business at the time. We're in my mortgage business built up so that I yeah. can afford to support the kids. Well, I got. I got to our goal by the end of the third year. Wow. So by the fourth year, we were pregnant and Michael was here. Oh. Right. So it, you know, I, I was ahead of schedule, right? And that was a cool thing. And it was a big deal because we didn't want a nanny raising our kids. We didn't want to take care yes. of raising our kids. We wanted her raising our kids. Yep. Right. And yeah, I had to work extra hours. And, and you know, you were around when I was working as oh, much yeah. as I was. Um, but the kids turned out really, really good because their mama was there. You know, when they went home, they weren't latchkey kids. She went and picked them up. She brought them, you know, took them, took them to school, brought them home. Yeah. The whole thing, she was there when they got home. So it was a big deal. You know, now being a mom myself, and I'm skipping ahead in the story. Don't worry, we'll go back. Oh, it's all right. um, don't worry. But my husband sacrifices so much of his time yeah. with the kids in order for us to have a life that I'm not, I love working. Yeah. I, I mean, everybody knows my passion. I love working. I love giving my kids somebody to look forward to. Because although I had my mom home, it took until I was 18 or older to understand that women in the workplace were a real thing. Yeah. That this like boss babe wasn't just this fictional Hollywood thing. Yeah. That women could work and make a difference. Yeah. And you certainly have. So they We'll talk more about that in a little bit. And it's the one thing, you know, my husband is an incredible father. He's an incredible dad. He's an incredible spouse. But he sacrifices so much so that I can be passionate about my work if I want to work, if I want to go to work. However successful I want to be, that's on me. I don't have to worry about monetary things because my husband has said, that's that's on me. Yeah. I've got this. And he's amazing at it. Yeah. Um, and I get to raise our kids and part with also working. We have great family nearby, great support system, you know, that I get to be the stay-at-home working mom. Yeah. 
and I get to see my kids grow. I don't have to hear about their first steps through video or pictures. You know, I get to be there, right. thankfully for his sacrifices that he makes. Well, and it's also a credit to you too. I mean, it, we're we're giving him a lot of credit. Too. It's also <laughs> a credit amazing. to you too. Well, you are too. Thank you. And you know, you worked your tail off before the babies came. Oh and yeah. And you built a foundation. Oh yeah. So that you could be that boss. Hey, I guess is what you <laughs> called it, right? Um, that it takes preparation. You got to do the hard things first, right? So that you can lay the foundation. And you know, you're you became a couple of years ago the youngest vice president in in San Diego. Thank you. In escrow. Thank you. It was well deserved. It was well deserved, and you earned it. You know, I I didn't see it then. You know, being 18 in the real estate industry, sneaking into my first networking event because you had to be 21 and up, it was at a bar. Um, I knew that I had to portray myself older. Nobody wanted to work with an 18-year-old. I didn't know, I didn't even know what escrow was when I got started into it. The first company I worked for, thank you so much to them. I owe them so much credit. They took a huge risk on me. And they saw something inside of me that I didn't even know that I had. Um, my dad, my stepdad growing up was always, you know, you could sell ice to an escrow suite. You can do whatever you want to do. I agree. Um, and so this company took a huge risk on me, but I just saw it as I'm working hard right now because I wanted this lifestyle. I wanted this. I did it for the materialistic things. I did it for the persona back then. But then I started seeing a future of becoming a mom and how I want that to look. And now I'm so happy I worked those 12-hour, 14-hour days. Because now I can work these minimal days and I can exactly. work smarter and harder. I already have my network. I already have my name out there. So I, I get to have that time with my kids. I can sneak off to go to the park with them. I can be at every single preschool pickup drop-off. I don't miss milestones because I have the groundwork. And about, that doesn't mean that I'm not working hard. I'll wake up before my children to get my admin work done. I know done. that. I've I'll talked work. to you. I've talked to you at, yeah. at interesting hours. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. L- late at night. Whenever yeah. I have to get it done. But I learned the groundwork prior to. And yeah. that's something that I think a lot of this generation is missing out on is that you, you have to be the bottom of the total pool first before you get to be the top of the total pool. So it's exactly what we're doing here, just so you know. Yes. You literally just told everybody what we're what our mission <laughs> is. Because everybody's story has inspiration to it. They, yeah. It has a motivation motivational factor to it. Yeah. I promise you there are gonna be people that are gonna listen to you. Mm. And I'm talking I'm talking men and women, okay? Dads and moms, prospective dads and moms, young people. Yeah. They're going to listen to you and listen to your story. They're going to connect with you somehow, and they're going to make a decision in their life that they've been putting off because you went ahead of them and did it. Well, thank you. You're a natural-born leader, oh, and it's. I'm telling you, you're one of the most impressive people I know. Of course, I'm biased, but <laughs> but seriously. So let's go back, okay. if it's okay. Yeah, let's absolutely. Go back. Go back. So you went to high school, Lakeside High School. Yep. Right? Okay. And what did you said something about you were coming out of some sort of practice, cheer practice. and they were and they were walking the sheet. Yep. Right? Yes. So you were in a, you were in cheer. Yeah. I find that hard to imagine. <laughs> I'm smile give it away. Right the hand movements, the cheer fingers. Down, right? <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. So you were in cheer. Of course. Just like Madison was. Yes. Right? Um, my Madison's my daughter, she's twenty three. And um, and she's a mini you, like I told you. I am a um, fan of hers. Very, 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 very proud of that <laughs> girl. Um, so she went out, she tried out for freshman cheerleading. And the coach called me and said, I offered her the captain position as a, as a freshman. Wow. And she turned it down, Mike. I'm like, 
what? She goes, yeah, your daughter turned it down. And I'm like, okay, what'd she say? She said, she said to me, now she didn't talk to me about this. This was something she did without consulting anybody, including her mother. She said, she said, I, I, off, I told her that I was going to make her captain because her, and she literally is talking to me face to face, so she's telling me this, Madison's tryout was here, everybody else's tryout was here. There wasn't anybody even remotely close, right? Wow. She said she offered her the captain position and Madison turned it down. And she said what she told me was, I would otherwise do it, except that there are people, there are girls that have been doing this longer than I have, and they deserve the, they've earned the leadership wow. position. And it's like, yeah, right? How huge is that? This girl is not even a ninth grader yet. She's literally in her eighth grade, you know, somewhere between her eighth grade and ninth grade year. Look at who you raised. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't have been more proud of that girl if I tried. You know, I'm proud of her, but come on, yeah. right? Okay, so you, so you, so Lakeside High, you, you're in cheerleading. Yeah. Right. So did you? Where? When did you start? What grade did you start cheerleading? So we didn't grow up with money. That's like a very, um, you know, it's a very part, important part of my story. I didn't get into cheerleading. I think I did a little bit in like middle school here and there, Longhorns, Pop Warner. But everybody always got to do like these competitive cheerleading things, right? Yeah. They got to be on like Mavericks, CA. Like travel clubs, yeah. yeah. We couldn't afford that. We couldn't afford privates for tumbling. Um, so I wasn't that good. I really wasn't. I didn't know how to do like all these flips and these things. And these girls knew already knew how to be thrown up in the air. All I knew what to do was to smile. Right. I knew how to smile, and I knew how to have fun. Right. And I'm, and I'm guessing you brought a level of intensity to it, too. You know, it's it's yeah. so nice because I I have these very, very fond memories of cheerleading. I know that I embarrassed myself. I tried to do these tumbling and these tricks to keep up with these other girls that have been doing this their whole entire life, but I just didn't have that. Yeah. Um, and to this day, I run into parents that I their kids went to high school with me, and they always tell me, Molly, you're my favorite cheerleader to watch. Yeah. You're my favorite cheerleader to watch. You were always the most energetic. And... Thank you, because I was just trying to cover up for my lack of expertise, right? So this is all I know how to do. I yeah. just know how to be myself. Um, so I did cheer for you know my whole entire high school career. I did a little bit of like Longhorns, Pop Warner things, um, but it it helped me so much get to know my school and get to have that school pride and put myself out there in front of people when I really didn't have the where you know I. I wasn't good at it. Yeah. I, I don't know what the heck I was going to do, but I was going to get out there and I was going to have a great time. You were going to give it your all, just exactly. like you always do. And I, and by I the way, it. that's a real attraction. Thank you. That's a, no, I'm not joking. That's a big deal. Your effort and how you go at things, okay, and we have a phrase in Oklahoma, we call it kill, killing cats, and people always, these, these, pet, these pet lovers always seek me out. They're like, what are you, why would you say that? Okay, like, it's, kill, it. it's killing catfish. It's yep. not killing cats. Not actual cats. Yeah. It's killing catfish. Okay. You go at it like you're killing cats. Cats is catfish. Anyway, but there's a way that you go about things that is an absolute draw. It it's hard to it's hard to explain to you. There are so many people in this world that are so timid and they're so scared to death to put themselves out there. And it is scary. It's scary yes. to put yourself out there. It's scary for me to do what I'm doing now. It, I love it, right? Yeah. I love it. But it's scary to do what I'm doing right now. The thing is, I I love it so much, and I know, I know for a fact 
that your story is going to impact a lot of people. So what we're doing here is we're giving back. We're making a difference literally right now, you and I. Yeah. Okay? That's a big deal to me. You know, and I, I know it's a big deal to you. You know what I mean? Completely. That's what I'm talking about. When you when you when you care as much as you do and you put yourself out there as much as you do even today, it's a real attraction. You're a leader more so than you even imagine. That's a big deal. Yeah. And that's something big to learn when you're when you're a cheerleader. It's it's something that I I think is a big misconception with me too is I'm deathly afraid. Yeah. I am scared. I have imposter syndrome. I every single time I do something, I'm like, who's gonna watch this? Who even cares what I have to say? Yeah. Why why am I doing this? You know, it takes a lot of, you know, of just like, what the hell? Let's just do it anyways. Right. And I've always learned that regardless of how I feel inside, if I just show up and I just do it, it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be perfect. I stumble. I don't even know what I'm going to say next in this podcast. Right. But if I do it, something good will come from it. Absolutely. It's either a learning experiment, experience or I'm going to be moving on to my next thing. Right. So it's, you know, I'm deathly afraid to do all this stuff too, but you just got to try it. Well, here's the thing. There's a thing in your brain called the amygdala. Okay? Mm -hmm. And it's literally been there. Your brain is millions of years old, right? Yeah. And your brain, your amygdala has been try has been that is there to protect you. Yeah. And so as soon as you want to go do something, and I tell people this all the time, as soon as you want to go do something, and your brain goes, oh, you know what? It's hot outside. You know what? It's this is probably not the day. You know what? You'd probably be better off if you do it tomorrow. You know what? Actually, let's do it next week. Yeah. Your kids, Actually, just don't do it at all. This is a real thing. Yeah. This is a real thing, and it's trying to protect you, okay? What truly successful people like you do, and that's why this is so important, you and I doing this, what truly successful people like you do is they recognize that voice, and it's a, it's a, it's a clue, it's a cue for you to go do it. Yeah. Like, as soon as that happens, you're on your way one foot in front of the other towards whatever that goal is or whatever that action is, yeah. okay? That's a big deal because people don't understand that clarification. They don't understand what it takes. And by the way, just, just a real quick shameless plug, David Goggins talks about this a lot, okay? Yes, he does. Um, Jocko Willink talks about this. These guys talk about how, you're, how you have this conversation with yourself, you have this conversation with your brain, and you have to figure out at some point, the thing is you have to want it more than everybody else wants it, Yeah. right? And you have to want it more than that little voice wants you to not. Okay, you're immediately telling you, yeah. shouting at you, right? It's just gotta be one of those things where you just go. You just, and, and you know, I get up in the morning and like when I had my radio shows, I did, I, I did my first radio show out of frustration. Because I would sit with people one-on-one, -on -one, one -on two, and I would explain to them what the truth was about finance, what the truth was about foreclosures, what the truth was about servicing, what the truth was about all the things that were going on at the time as people were losing their houses to foreclosure. Okay. And I could, I, I only had these two people at a time that I was talking to, or one person at a time that I was talking to. I shared with you that we're writing some books. The first one we're writing is on homeownership. The other day, I spent an hour and 32 minutes on the phone with my daughter's boyfriend, okay? Talking about credit. And I told my ghostwriter yesterday, or yeah, 
you know, yesterday. I told my ghostwriter yesterday, I said, I can't afford to spend an hour and 32 minutes with 325 million people. Yeah. That's why we're writing the book. Yeah. We're writing the book so that they have a how-to on FICO scores. They have a how-to on how to, on how to get back from things that, you know, curveballs that life throws you, okay? Yeah. I've helped people for 31 years do that, and now we're gonna put it in, in print form, and we're gonna, and it's literally, it's literally for millennials. Yeah. To share with them, if you buy a house and then you and then life throws you a curveball, this is what you do. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. Well, and you can make it work. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So that's what I think or know is so magical about you, you, is you absolutely understand how to succeed, and you also understand what that trigger is. Right? You know how to go, and people need to learn that. They need yeah. to learn especially young people, they need to learn how to do that. Well, and I think the big thing, when you're young or old or whatever, it's this perception, this persona, right? So people look at my job all the time on Instagram, and they'll be like, oh my God, what do you do for a living? It looks like so much fun. This was, it wasn't embarrassing for me. I'm proud of what I do. I love doing sales. I love it. Um, it's given me freedom and lifestyle and all that. This isn't a sexy job. I had friends that got into marketing and PR and influencers and they're getting flown to these places and they're getting these, you know, their job was so sexy to me. And we'd go to a bar, we'd go to a networking event and they would tell, oh yeah, I'm just an influencer. I have 1 million people, you know, I, I'm running this agency and they would do these huge grandiose things that sounded so amazing yeah. and they'd get to me at the table and I would just freeze. And I would, I'm in sales for escrow mm -hmm. and people would be like, you do what? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's real estate. Oh, yeah, real estate's so cool. Yeah. Selling sunset, we've all seen, oh, my God. And I would just cower down because it wasn't sexy. But what I learned is, hey, my job fucking rocks. Yeah. Not just freaking rocks. It fucking rocks. I love it. Yeah. Is your job doesn't have to have this sexy title or this sex, you know, it doesn't have to be something that you learned at the career fair. You you make your life what you want it to That's be. That's it. You It's what you bring to it. And you... My job looks great from the outside because that's the way I want to present it. Mm -hmm. I want younger people and older people and people that want a new start to like to look at my job and want this job. It's not the sexiest, it's not the coolest. What the hell is us from? But I'm doing it. And so I learned really fast that so me, cowering, me cowering down and being embarrassed of my story or what I was doing or wasn't going to do anything for me. So I own it. I love it. This job and career and now teaching other people what I do, it's been such a great way for me to pay success, not only for myself, but for others as well. It's fulfilling. Yes, absolutely. Okay, we're going to go back to high school. Okay, go back to high school. just a second, if that's okay. Go back. Okay. So, you, so like, like Lakeside High School, mm -hmm. you're a cheerleader. Yep. You graduate from Lakeside High School, mm -hmm. then what happens? Okay. So, um, I, like I said, my parents didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't a great student, contrary to popular. I wasn't either. I, um, you know, I was always talking too much in class, couldn't stay focused, was just not intrigued, you know. Um, I, it, it was a mess. But I, I got through, passed with like a 3.5 or something, so it wasn't bad. But it wasn't this huge GPA. I didn't have any scholarships waiting for me. Like I said, I was a mediocre cheerleader but had a great time. Um, I went to community I college. Don't think you were mediocre. <laughs> I, I've never seen you cheer, but I cannot. You know what? I always had such a great time. I had such a good time, and I loved what I did. Um, but I went to community college. Okay. I went to community college for you know, I think a half a semester, a semester. Which one? A uh, Grossmont. Okay. Grossmont 
Community College. Um, First one Community College rocks, by the way. You know, it was it was a great stepping stone for me. I was in the middle of class one day, and I remember kind of looking around and looking at all of these books that my parents had spent, you know, essentially way too much money on. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to be. And I just looked at my class and I said, this is for the birds. Mm-hmm. I can't be here anymore. Yeah. I texted my mom and of course she's like, what the heck? Yeah. You're quitting? Right. And I was like, mom, I'm dropping out. I don't know if I need a break. I don't know if I need something. I'm done. Yeah. So I stopped showing up for class. I, you know, wasted tons of their money on stuff. And I got, I was always having multiple streams of income. So I'd be a bartender, a server, I'd babysit, I would do all these different things. Uh, and I was like, Mom, I'm going to work in the classroom. I'm going to be a paraprofessional for severely handicapped kids at my high school. It's what I want to do. It's my passion. It's my calling. I'm going to do it. And then um, took the test, took the licensing for it, and found out they make absolutely no money. Teachers are the most undervalued people in this world. Unreal. Um, and I was like, I can't do that. I can't be a teacher. I can't live off of that salary. It's not my lifestyle. Um, so I got a job. I thought I wanted to be a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. So I got a job at Edward Jones. Oh, I love Edward Jones. Yes. I loved working for them, worked from them for the time I was, you know, 17 and a half to 19. Um, while I was bartending, serving, doing all these things, I also had a job in high school um, serving. And then I also watched my best friend have cerebral palsy. I have been babysitting him. I don't know how his mom let me do it. We're still best friends to this day from the time I was in seventh grade. So um, I watched him every single spring break, summer break, winter break because childcare was so expensive. So in seventh grade, he was in sixth grade. His mom called me one day. Can you watch Cameron for winter break? Can you give up every single winter break, every single summer break to help watch my son? I'll pay you X amount of dollars and you just have to hang out with him at home. Sure, absolutely. So I did that from the time I was in seventh grade to when I graduated high school, and now we're still best friends. Um, but he, in turn, uh, in turn for me having to watch him, he had to go to my cheer boxes with me. He, um, he was his mom calls him the luckiest guy in high school. Yeah. Because I would pool parties with the cheerleaders, and I'm like, well, you guys, it's summer break. Cameron has to come too. Yeah. And so he would do all that with us. Um, but I thought I wanted to work in classrooms and things like that, and I didn't. So. Got a job at Edward Jones, was serving at the time. And I thought I wanted to be a financial advisor. Right. I wanted to be, like I said, it was my first experience with women, powerful women in this financial advising space. And they had these careers and these jobs, and they were in suits, and they were so cool to me. Um, and I was serving one day, and this man walked up to me, and he's like, what are you going to do with your life? And I was like, well, I work here, and I work at Edward Jones. I'm going to be a financial advisor. I'm going to work on Wall Street or some crap. And he was like, no, 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 you gotta get to real estate. You have to get to real estate. You have to meet my wife. She works for this escrow company. And I was like, okay, I'll meet your wife. So I knew in that time that I took this opportunity, I took this person's phone number, uh, that I was either gonna get kidnapped and sold or I was gonna have this great opportunity on my hands. And I said, have her meet me in a well-lit area. The middle of the day. Public, Please. Yeah, somewhere safe, Like, mom, follow my location. What's happening right now? Um, but I met her the next day and she took a huge risk on me and I will be forever thankful for that opportunity that she handed me. And she said, you have to meet the owner of our company. We do escrow. We need somebody in sales. Um, and so for me dropping out of college, thinking I was going to be a nobody, I took this opportunity and I met the owner again in a well-lit, well, you know, well-visited restaurant at the time. Did you know what escrow was at the time? I didn't know what escrow was till I was in the industry for three years. I, I had no idea. I had no idea what sales were. 
I didn't know people made money making other people use a company. What? Yeah. And so he took me in being, you know, I think I was 18 when I started over there, just about to be 19. And he said, you're going to sit with all my escrow officers and you're going to sit with them each for a week and you're going to learn what escrow is. They were saying these words and as an 18 year old home ownership was this fictitious dream. Oh, sure. What's a mortgage? What's credit? I didn't know. Like I said, I didn't come from a family with money. I didn't come from generational wealth. I didn't even know what a credit card was. I just knew to rack up all this pretend money that I had. Um, And he's like, we're going to hire you and you're going to do this. And I like I worked with them for three years before I fully understood what escrow was. But I would go to these networking events. I would go to these caravans. I would shake these realtors' hands. You'd come to my office. I would teach realtors. <laughs> I would go and I'd stand in front of a room of people that were my senior by 30, 50 years. Oh, yeah? And tell them about this great escrow company that we had and why they should use us and how we're going to help their business and all this stuff. And I would get in my car and Google, what is escrow? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just made relationships in this industry that have now lasted me. There's a running theme here. Um, You understand that, right? There's a running theme here. I didn't know how to cheer, but I gave it everything I had. (laughs) I didn't know how to do this, but I gave it everything I had. I didn't know how to do this, but I gave it everything I had. The thing that attracted them to you when you were serving that day was you might not know what you're doing, but you gave it everything you had. I was just going to show up. I was just going to show up for this job. That's the that's the theme, though. I mean, this is the theme of your life, is you just flat out bring it. And that's one of the things, I told you this, that's one of the things that people love the most about you, including me, is you just go. And Madison's the exact same way. My okay. daughter, Madison's the exact same way. She's a bit of you, I'm telling you. I love it's it. It's unbelievable. Well, and I think it's a huge misconception with me, is um, that I, I know what I'm doing, or I'm confident about what I'm doing, or I, you know know how to do any of this. I've had no formal sales training. I've had no formal training in real estate or escrow or anything. I don't think you need formal sales training. I think the the, the school of hard knocks is the single best trainer on the planet. You, it, and for you, you just throw yourself in. You, like, it, it, it wasn't. When I got started at this escrow company, they had no money for me. Yeah. It was this job that I was getting paid salary, and salary sounded really sexy until you figure out that you're working 15 hours a day and nobody's paying you from right. overtime. Exactly. Um, I still had to work a serving job, a bartending job. I did that until I was, you know, 20, 21. Mm-hmm. Because I, I to just support made, your To support your escrow habit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to support my um, other habits that escrow got me into. You know, I had to wear nice clothes. I had yep. to, wear, you know, do these things. Drive a certain car. Yeah. Thing, yeah. Um, and I, I, I just... I just wanted to outwork. I just wanted to hustle. I just wanted to have these opportunities and be in the room with these people and earn a spot there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just go to these events and put my name in, you know, cold call and do these things that people would laugh at me, Mike. I, I mean, I still to this day remember I called a real estate agent. And he's like, how old are you, 15? And he's like, listen, I don't have a backup wife. I don't have backup friends. I definitely don't need a backup escrow person. Lose my number. Um, this guy now has no friends, no wife, and I'm sure he could probably find my phone number somewhere if he wants to call me. Probably. Um, still probably. the business. He's not. Um, but I just took those losses, and I was like, well, what's the next one? But I will tell you, I I present myself very confidently. I present it like this doesn't bother me. It doesn't, you know, oh, it doesn't shake me, all these no's, all these, you know, opportunities lost or opportunities gained. It's, it's freaking hard every single day. It is hard every day. Um, but you just got to keep going with it. Regardless of what your career is. Yeah, and you, and you have to focus on the next step. You have to focus oh, yeah. on the next call. You have to focus on the next deal. 
and you just have to be willing to take enough no's till you get the yeses that you need. It's that simple. And in that running theme... Um, harder than, than it's said, by the way. It's it's harder to do than, than what I just okay. said. But, yeah. And, you know, in that running theme, so after being in the industry for, you know, my daughter's three and a half now, I was in the industry for 10 years almost at that time when uh, we got pregnant and had her during COVID. So a lot of staying home, a lot of, you know, raising my baby. And I, when I got pregnant, you can ask my husband, I looked at him and I was like, we're getting a nanny. I'm not losing my career. I'm not losing who I am. I, you know, I'll be with her plenty. Uh, and then I saw her little face. And I said, the money doesn't matter, work doesn't matter. The son, this is all that matters, yeah. is her. Yeah. And the company I was with at the time uh, was gracious enough, you know, with COVID, I had a long maternity leave. I spent a lot of time with her and it just really enforced that theory to me that I can't leave this child. Nobody else can raise her. I cannot miss a moment with her. How am I gonna make it work? And um, the reason I had to leave that company and I've left another company for the same reason is people telling me no. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. You cannot raise your child. You cannot be the VP of anything. You have to work a nine to five and have somebody else raise your kid and have somebody else have those memories with your kid and you're going to miss out because this is the job that you want. And if you don't want this job, then quit and be a stay-at-home mom and don't bring in an income for your family. Yep. When they put the company above you, they lose. It's that simple. Very simple. And That's it was simple. very easy for me to look both of them in the face and say, oh, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. You will absolutely not speak to me in that way. You will not treat me in that manner. I will be exactly who I want to be inside the four walls of my home for my children, and I will still create a legacy for them. Good job, baby. You know, and it was hard because that's all I ever knew. They took this huge risk on me, and oh my gosh, I owe them everything. And I do. I owe them a lot. They were a great stepping stone for me. I cannot thank that company enough for what they did for me and how they introduced me to this industry. Uh, But I left. And I left with my head held high. I didn't know who was going to want me because I was told from them, you only are this person because we told you who to be. It's only because you have this name behind you. You go anywhere else, you're not going to have this business. Um, And they're wrong. And by the way, if you ever need a reference, I've told you this before, but if you ever need a reference, thank you. You have my number. (laughs) You know, it, it, I pick up my daughter every single day from preschool. I drop her off every single day. I am sure that I have clients that have gotten frustrated with me or upset with me because I am at SeaWorld on a Wednesday at 2 o'clock. My phone never stops ringing. I work 24-7. Mm-hmm. I also pay attention to my babies 24-7. Yeah. And I, I time block. You know, there's times where I, you know, have just for my clients, like now we don't have babies running around here. Right. I have just found a way to make my life work. And there is that opportunity for everybody that you can mold and shape your life exactly how you want it. Mm-hmm. I only have these formative years with my kids once. They're only that age once. That's why I gave up radio, remember? Yes. I gave up radio because the kids were going into high school, and I wanted to be that dad that was in the stands every time they looked up. I wasn't going to be able to do that if I stayed in radio. So I gave up something that I dearly loved, and I was pretty good at it. I was pretty good at at it, Um, but I gave it up. And, you know, I'm glad I did because... I got to go chase them around for four years, five years, you know. And, you know, there there hasn't been a moment where I've regretted the decision to take a step back from certain positions or certain things that I had committed to in the past that is just, it doesn't fit me anymore. Right. I don't do late night happy hours anymore. I don't do late night networking events. And there will be a time in my life that I do that again. Um, or maybe there won't be. I don't know. But becoming a mom now of two, 
Um, and we're still learning how to be, you know, two in a household. It's different. Mm -hmm. um, it is. It's very different. But I. And when Jeff starts walking. We have another hurdle to overcome. Your floor will never stop moving. Um, and by the way, Jet, just so you know, Jet will Jet will walk faster at an earlier age than Brinley did because she's walking and he wants to. Oh my! Uh, never underestimate the power of an older sibling. He is four months old, and my Brinley never crawled. She never did. She did this like little scoot thing for a while, but I carried her everywhere. She was, I mean. I still to this day carry her everywhere, and I carry my son everywhere. They are just attached to me. I'm that mom. Um, he is already trying to start to crawl. We put him on his tummy time, and he brings his legs up, and he and I'm like, oh no no no, honey, slow down. You're my last one. Right. You got like time has to go slower. Yeah, we have, he to, tries we have to, to try and enjoy. He this. tries to talk with her, and oh he, yeah, he does. He Guaranteed. loves like that. It it's amazing, but he is going to be this early everything. Yeah. Because he sees her. Um, and she's and a fire. Yeah. Uh, and you. Thank you. And, and, and your husband. Okay. Yeah. He's, they're watching you. You know this. They're watching you and they're a sponge. They're an All absolute the sponge. Well, which is something that I, um, I didn't really understand going into motherhood. You know, I, kids, kids are sponges. Everybody tells you that. Don't say cuss words in front of them. They're going to learn it. I've also learned that my daughter is also learning work habits. Mm -hmm and techniques and tactics and the way that she speaks to people. My daughter is three and a half years old and she can command a room when she walks in. Work at them too. She will sit there and she she's a master negotiator. I know that everybody says this about their kids, but my daughter can speak with adults in a way that they understand. And she knows how to communicate because she's seen me do it. Mm -hmm. I take her along to sales meetings with me. I have phone conversations and honey, mommy has to take this call. That's right. You have to entertain yourself. Here's some Play-Doh. But, you know, we, we had this talk the other night. Mommy, you're always working. You're always working, Mommy. Uh, and I, I told her, I said, honey, there are mommies that don't get to pick up from school, that don't get to make lunches, that don't get to make dinner, because they, they're sacrificing that for money. Uh, mommy has picked this job because Mommy could take a call and hang up a call, and then I can get right back to what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Which, what do you want from me? Do you want me to, I, I'm totally happy we'll get, you know, a nanny in the house, We'll get you a daycare a little bit longer, and then mommy will be home when she's home. But I won't have these opportunities. Right. And she's three and a half, and she looked at me and she said, "Mommy, you can take escrow calls all day long. I want to be right by your side." And she knows the girls up in the office. She knows my clients. And when I have to get down to business, she respects it and she honors it. And I'm not missing out on things. I'm not fifty percent present when I'm with her. I will turn off my phone. I don't care. I'll miss an opportunity if a client's mad at me because I can't pick up the phone or I can't be there in the moment that they want me to be there because I chose this, I chose my daughter over them. They'll get over it, yeah. I'll find another client. Yeah, I agree with that, I totally agree. You'll never find another daughter though, and you'll never find another son, and you'll never find another opportunity to have an impact on them. Yes. And I'm, as you know, on the other end of this, right? I'm a 23 year old, 24 year old. Yeah. And I am constantly, I think I told you earlier that I spent an hour and 32 minutes on the phone with, with Madison's yeah. boyfriend. And what I figured out was, and I'm continually figuring this out, but what I figured out from talking with her after I talked with him was how much she learned. Yeah. How much she learned being in that household. Absolutely. We ran that Keller Williams office, our mortgage company, oh, yeah. out of that house. Yeah. Okay. And so they didn't get to see the prettiest part of real estate. They got to see the ugly part, which was Dad had to go handle, had to go resolve conflicts. Dad had to go handle this. Dad had to go handle that. But they got to listen. They got to hear what I did and how I did. Yes. Okay. 
It's unbelievable how much they've picked up. And Michael, the other day, I took him to breakfast at his favorite breakfast place a couple years ago. He was still a senior at, at, at Nebraska. And I sat down with him and said, if there's, if there's no limits, if, there's, if money's not an object, there's no limits in this world, what would you do for a living? He said, I would invest in real estate with you. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I thought, growing up, that they wanted nothing to do with real estate. Yes. Okay? But Madison's even at a point where she's starting to appreciate what she learned growing up in our household. Michael is wanting to get into real estate investing. He went and walked a property for us the other day in Fremont, up by where he is, and sent us the photos. Called me yesterday and said, Dad, I'm driving through a, through a neighborhood, and there's some distressed homes here. What do I do? And I said, just send me the addresses, and we'll go to work on them. Yeah. Right? He's up there. It's amazing. It's crazy, right? But it's you you don't understand the impact you're having on them until you come until you come full circle and yeah. get on the other side, right? And I, I'm telling you, the things that you're teaching her without knowing it are absolutely invaluable. And and the things that your husband's teaching them too. Yeah. I mean it's 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 all encompassing. And they absolutely are just soaking it up. Yeah. And the thing that you want to remember is they are in fact paying attention in a major way. Oh, yeah. Right? And so what you cover and what you talk about and what they hear, they're going to retain a lot of it. Oh yeah. And they're going to use it in the future. Well, and it's so important to me that we raise our daughter <clears throat> we raise our daughter to not only see the sacrifices that we're making and all that, but we're not doing it for money. You know, we don't tell her, oh we can't afford that or you know, oh, daddy's working hard so we can have money so mommy can drive a nice car or so mommy can have new clothes. We don't talk about that. We talk about it for a lifestyle, right. for experiences. Daddy's working hard this Saturday morning, so when we want to go on vacation in three weeks, daddy doesn't have to answer. And that's important because they, yes. they figure out what your values are. Absolutely. Okay? And your values, when you put them first, they never forget it. Oh, yeah. I got a 23 and 24-year-old that are telling me I know you put us first. Oh, yeah. We know it, right? Oh, yeah. Big deal. It's a huge it's deal. A big and I deal. think it's so important. You know, I'm, I'm knee deep in this parenting thing. I have a lot of way to go, and I'm not a perfect mom by any means. Um, but my kids know, you know, Jed is four months old, and I hope, I'm instilling this in him as well. They are the most important part of this. We are not doing this because then we're doing this for them. Right. We're not working hard because kids are expenses and diapers are so expensive, like everybody says. We're doing it so we can leave a legacy for them, so we can have an opportunity to spend time with our kids and have the flexibility and freedom. And that's a huge thing with, you know, escrow sales isn't the sexiest thing. It's not, you know, this huge money-making pot. But I know that I will have a legacy for my kids later, and I have the freedom and lifestyle and flexibility that I have because I'm in this job. Well, and let's be honest, you're giving them a better childhood than you have. Oh, a thousand. We're always trying to improve yes. on, like my kids had a much better childhood than I did, by design. Yeah. By so design. It's it's not a freak accident. It's a big deal. Um, and, you know, my, my parents had a horrible divorce. There were so many things that I saw and experienced as a child that, you know, I will never have my kids experience. My husband and I are not best friends 24-7. We argue. We, you know, we get into it sometimes. But we will be in the middle of a conversation. Uh, a heated conversation about something, you know, somebody left a dish in the sink, I don't know, something small. And we'll look at our daughter, and both of us do this without coaching each other or talking, you know, talking to it beforehand. We'll look at our daughter and say, Mommy and Daddy love each other very much. Because we're having this conversation right now, 
we're just not agreeing on something, we're going to be fine in five minutes, 10 minutes. This is just us disagreeing. It doesn't mean we don't love each other. It doesn't mean that this is bad. You know, this is an adult conversation. And even if we don't want to, at the end of that conversation, we're going to look at each other and we're going to kiss. I love you. You are my best friend. So she sees not only how to fight fairly and right, you know, we don't yell, we don't raise our voice, we don't put our hands on each other, but we also can make up. And we may be freaking kicking each other underneath the table, but my daughter will see. Mommy and Daddy know how to have conversations, and they know how to make up. And that's a huge thing, too. So last night, Madison told me, she said, Dad, we never saw you argue. You and Mom never argued. I said, yeah, it's by design. Yeah. Like, she's applying for a job right now. And it sounds like she's going to get it. She will get it. She had no, yeah. If they're smart, they'll hire her. Yeah. So she had her second interview, and they said, how would you feel? How would you deal with a, cl- a, a, a grown man, rough grown man in construction, calling you up and yelling at you over the phone because somebody dropped the ball, somebody in the company didn't yeah. do what they were supposed to do because she's going into sales. And she said, you know, it would probably be jarring at first, but I learned a lot about how to deal with her, how to resolve conflict. Right, And she literally was telling this guy my playbook to the letter. And she said to me last night, she said, you can't imagine how much I learned from you about, about conflict resolution. Yeah. I told her, I said, listen, honey, I, I'm the most boring person in the world to have an argument with. Yeah, you're not going to make me Come at me. Come at me. Pick a fight with me. Yeah. It'll be the most boring thing you've ever had in your life. Because you will yell, you'll scream, you'll be venomous, whatever. And I'll literally sit there and listen to you until you completely run out of steam. And then when you're done, my question to you or my, you'll say something like, what do you have to say for yourself? And I'll say something like, I'm sorry you feel that way. How can I solve it? Yeah. How can I make this better? Right? And I won't say it in a way that's pitched. I won't say it in a way that's higher volume. I won't yeah. say it in a way that returns their energy. It's the worst thing you can possibly do. And I learned that owning that Keller Williams office for 18 years. I learned how to resolve conflict. Yeah. And we got in the middle of some serious, I mean, we had some people, oh, yeah. we had some people just screaming at us and, you know, we dealt with it. I'm the boring, most boring guy in the world for you to have an argue with, argument with because I'm just simply not going to go there. I'm not going to jump in the water yeah. with you. And so she's like, we never saw you argue. We didn't argue. Did we disagree? Yeah. But we disagreed in private. Yeah. We never yelled at each other. We never had an argument that was a you know, back and forth, all this kind of, we never did, we never did that. They never saw that. And they never saw it because I grew up in a household that had a lot of fighting, that had a lot of ugly things said to each other. And I remember sitting there as a kid thinking, how could a married couple talk to each other this way? Yeah. How, 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 how can you get married to somebody and want to spend the rest of your life with them and have those conversations with that kind of animus and that kind of, it's like, no, no, this doesn't work for me. Yeah. And I always knew as a kid, and I told you this, I always knew as a kid I was going to be a dad. I dreamed of it. I dreamed of being a dad. Yeah. And I dreamed of being that dad in the, st- in the stands. I dreamed of being that dad that that gave them a non-drama or a drama-free environment to grow up in. Yeah. And even, even conflict resolution with them, it was questioned. I'd ask them questions, and you guys know this from listening to the podcast. We have an episode called Mic Time. It's a thing we do. People will call me up, and they'll have a rough day, and they'll call me up, and they'll go, I just need five minutes of mic time. Right? 
and they'll get on the phone with me. Five minutes later, they feel better. They're more motivated. They're motivated. Oh, they're yeah. ready to go charge again. I think and, I have one of those people. And back. Well, we've done it before, <laughs> but back after it, right? Yeah. And so when we started this podcast, we came up with this little snippet of stories that's anywhere from two to twelve minutes long, and it's called Mic Time. Well, one of the Mic Time episodes, we talked about what's your job from the time the kids were could could even talk or understand the English language. I told them, I said, your job, my, my sister and I fought like cats and dogs growing up. I told them, I said, your job is to be nice. Your job is to be nice to your sibling. Yeah. That's your job. You have one job. Be nice to your sibling. Yeah. And then when they would get in a fight or something, you know, some sort of squabble, I'd bring them in, they'd sit down with me, and I'd ask them a question. What is your job? What's your job? And they would say, be nice. Yeah. Is what you just did to your sister or what you just did to your brother an example of being nice? No. What should you do? Say sorry. What else? Not do it again? Good. Away we go. Yes, Fast yeah. forward. Michael 17, Madison 16. By the way, she told me last night she doesn't remember this story uh, or this happening. Michael 17, Madison 16. They're upstairs in our 3,000 square foot house in, in Escondido. And I hear a squabble. I'm like, all right, you two, down here now. Both of them come down, they sit down with me, same question, same exact, same yeah. thing. All those years, it was the same exact conversation. I didn't yell at them, I just asked them, right? And they come down, we do the same same script, they go away. Two days later, Madison's getting her, her driver's permit. I'm driving with her, I'm sitting in the passenger seat. She's driving and she goes, Dad? I said, yeah. She goes, you remember a couple days ago when we got into, into, a, into an argument and you had us go, yeah. We had already resolved it, Dad. We'd already resolved it. We'd already solved it before you brought us down. That's the moment that I knew that what I had done as a dad worked. Yeah. Okay? There wasn't yelling. There wasn't squabbling. There wasn't back and forth. There wasn't any of that. It was, and I mean, my sister and I used to used to get so bad at bickering with each other. My grandmother, my mother's mother, my, my maternal grandmother, would make us dinner or make us breakfast or we'd be sitting at the table and we'd bicker back and forth. She would put her fork down and walk away, get up and walk away from a meal that she had prepared oh. because we made her stomach upset. And she would go, I mean, I still get emotional talking about this, but she would go in the other room and close the door because this back and forth, this just, just, just not at her. I mean, it just grated oh, yeah. on her. Okay. It's exhausting. Well, I learned, right? And we made it a better childhood than what I grew up oh, with, yeah. right? So it's a big deal. It really is. Okay, yeah. so high school, escrow. Now, escrow company you went to work for first is the escrow company where I, where I met yeah. you. And I think I met you, I think you had just started oh, with yeah. them. Oh, yeah. I think we were one of the first. I think we were one of the, my first day meeting all, everybody yeah, in the real estate I think we were one of the first offices that oh, yeah. you came to, um, which was a blessing, by the way. Huge deal. Oh. Biggest day of my life meeting you. Here's the deal. So you're, so you're at 17 and a half, 18 years old, and you're starting an escrow. You go all the way through, including sponsoring my radio show, so we got a chance to work together even more, which was awesome. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed working with you every moment. So, so, you, so you go through, you work for them, you end up leaving there, Right, so you're yeah. there through COVID, right, with yeah, them? Yeah, I was there through COVID, and my then, first daughter. And then after after that, you end up, and Brinley's how old when you leave? Three? Uh, yeah, no, Brinley was, oh God, I've been gone from there for, um, no, she was like one, one and a half. Oh my goodness, true. Wow. Yeah. 
And so you leave there and you go to another escort company. And I know the owner of the escort company. And um, you're there as a vice president, youngest vice president in the history of San Diego escrow. Thank you. No, seriously. That's a big <laughs> deal. That's a big deal. And, and, I, and I would not expect anything less from you. Thank you. Then you leave there and you go to work for your current company, yeah, which is Finest City Escrow, yeah. right? So I know why you left and I know why you joined here, but talk about it for a second. Talk about what's so cool about here. Yeah. Um, so when I was pregnant with my son, my second child, um, I I just knew you know the other escrow company, the second escrow company I worked for, they had a lot of really great things to offer. Yeah. Um, there was just a huge, I, I don't want to say it was belittling or downgrading to the fact that I wanted, that being a mom was my biggest priority. Um, so I knew that I had to find another company that was going to align with my work-life balance, was going to align with everything I wanted to do. That had similar values. Um, however, I had been at my first Esther company for over 10 years. Yeah. So a very long time. So stability, not moving, was like a very important thing to me. Yeah. Um, I so I was only with that as the other escrow company for a year. Mm -hmm. So there was a ton of shame and embarrassment and, oh my God, am I the one doing something wrong? Why am I leaving this company after only being here a year? Um, and it wasn't me. It wasn't me at all. It was what was happening over there. And I knew after I like did some self-reflecting, talked to my husband, talked to some, you know, mentors in the industry that I have, that me putting my kids first and me leaving there was the best thing for not only my mental health, not only for the well-being of my family, but for my longevity in this industry. Yeah. Um, so a ton of opportunities, again, land on your lap when you are leaving somewhere, saying that you're going to leave somewhere. And Finest City is owned by um, a management company that manages more escrow companies in Southern California than anybody else. We do one out of every six escrow transactions. So you have to imagine the stuff that we see, the experience behind us, the backing, it's its all incredible. The foundation was there for me to build. Um, Finest City was their newest brand. It was their smallest brand. It was a brand that they needed to get out around San Diego. And that's what I do. So, yes, that's true. I agree with that. You know, uh, I'll shout it from the rooftop where I am. Mm -hmm. I'm proud to be here. Um, the VP of Sales and Marketing, or what is he? That's my title. Uh, I, I don't even know what Ryan does here. He like manages the sales team. He grows the companies. He does everything. Um, and Ryan and I had some very honest conversations, and I was seven and a half months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And in this industry, as you know, if you're not in front of your client, somebody else will be. Yep. So I am seven and a half months pregnant at a table and he's, you know, asking me to come over and offering me this and he's, you know, just flattering me up the wazoo as you do when you're going to hire somebody. And I told him, I said, you know, you're under the impression that I'm this 20 year old Molly, you know, 25 year old Molly, that I'm going to all these networking events, that I'm cold calling, that I'm this boss babe that you think that I, you know, that you knew in the past. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm a mom of soon to be two. I'm going to take a maternity leave. Things have changed. Things are, are you sure that you want me? And he was like, here's the dotted line. That is why I, I want you more than anything. You are going to come over here. Just a matter Smart of what guy. it's going to take. Smart guy. Um, and I came over here, like I said, seven and a half months pregnant. He has built out, you know, so many avenues for me to explore myself creativity, like creatively wise to do sales, to do all these things. Um, 
and it's the best thing ever. Being over here, um, like I said, I get to take my daughter to preschool every school morning. I get to pick her up every single afternoon. I get to bring my son into the office if I need to come into the office. I get to work from home. He doesn't care where I am. He doesn't care what I'm doing. He has shown me this commission-only route, just like realtors are. So now I get to empathize with my clients more. Oh, sure. Um, and I get this avenue, you know, and it's, it's not just about work. I had a day, you know, a week, two, three weeks ago where I was just, you know how it is in sales. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. It's hard. I've said this. I show up every single day. Oh, yeah, I'm so confident. And I'm not. Yeah. Behind me is this weak, timid little person. That uh, I don't I don't want to do it anymore. I want to sit on my couch. I want to, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do, but I can't do this anymore. I have to go work at Taco Bell. Right. And I had a day like that, and I called Ryan, or I texted him. And he called me. And I said, don't call me. I don't want to talk to you. I'm in a negative mindset. I don't want to talk to anybody right now. Right. I want to cry. Right. And he called me again. And he was like, listen, you can't be everything for everybody. You can't be 100% on as a mom. You can't be 100% on as an employee. And you're not being 100% on as a wife. When was the last time you had a drink with your husband, just the two of you guys? And he coached me through and walked me through this mindset that I had and that I was lacking. And told me, you know, stop working so much. Stop being on 24-7. Tell your clients you can't answer the phone at certain times. Be 100% on at work when you want to be. Do it less. Be 100% on as mom when you're with your kids. And go be a good wife, too. And in that moment, I knew that Finest City was the best choice for me. Yep. And staying in this career was the best option for me to, to be who I wanted to truly be. And be the mom that I wanted to be. And be the rep that I wanted to be for mm -hmm. my clients. Help their business grow. Um, you know, it just it, it has so many opportunities and longevity and growth here. So I knew it was my my best decision that I had ever made. I like this guy. I haven't even met him, but I like him. You know, Ryan. Um, Ryan's tough. He is so tough. He is hard on us. If you're having a bad month, what's going on? Why aren't you out prospecting the market? I'll call him and I'm like, God, the market's tough. And he's like, I don't want to hear about the market. Mm -hmm. Who cares? You can't control the market. You can't control the market. You can control yourself. You can That's control it. your activities. That's it. Out prospect everybody else. You can work harder than anybody else. But if I'm having a day like I was a couple weeks ago, he told me, he's like, stop working today. Close your laptop. Go take your kids wherever you take them to the beach, to the park, leave your phone at home, leave your phone in the car. Go out and go fill your house. Yeah. Feed go. Work will always be there. Yep. And I knew in that moment that he truly cared about me and he truly cared about where I was going to be and how my longevity. Um, and it just made me work 10 times harder. I love it. I told him that day, I was like, I can't close up. I have this event and that to do and this to do and that to do. But that Friday of that week, I, you know, I went down to the beach with my kids. Mm -hmm. And I answered calls and I opened deals and I was there for my clients when they needed it and directed them in the right direction. But I didn't do anything that didn't need my immediate attention. I didn't do any prospecting that day. I didn't do any cold calling that day. Um, but I was present with my kids. I filled up my cup and I was able to come back the following Monday rejuvenized and revitalized energized the whole thing yeah. and had motivation yeah that's awesome i like this guy you know i gotta be right one of these days oh yeah you you would love him so anything else you'd like to we're about to wrap up anything oh. else that you would like to cover mm. we could be here three days you and me oh yeah um parenting is hard yeah working is hard missing your kids milestones is hard um but truly, I, you know, the one thing I want to shout from the rooftops to working moms, working dads, adopted parents, parents that want to be parents, um, anybody in this space, 
your lifestyle is truly only dictated by you. True. You only get one life. And it becomes very apparent how fast life is once you have kids. Oh, wisdom. Um, do whatever makes you happy. And do it to the best of your ability. Um, you know, it's just, it's so hard for me to tell people to do that if I don't do it myself. No, it's also true. a reminder for myself that walk it. every single day, you know, I'm choosing how my day is going to look. I'm choosing happiness every single day. My three-year-old gets freaking annoying. My kid's screaming gets freaking annoying. Uh, work gets hard. It gets annoying. Life gets annoying. But if you just look at it like one day you're going to want to be back in that spot when your kids are grown and when they're mm -hmm. in college, you're going to want one more sleepless night. Yeah. You're going to want, you know, when your business, when this business is over, when you're done working, when you're retired, you're going to want one more day doing a negotiation. Yeah. So just treating every single day like it's your last and truly enjoying it and putting the fun spin on it is the only reason why I've been able to be where I am and who I am. And this smile on my face isn't phony. I truly, I love my life. Every single day, I thank God for how blessed I am. You're fulfilled. It's a big deal. And I'm young. Mm -hmm. And I can see that there is going to be an end point to this. And I just pray every single day that in my next lifetime, and whatever comes after this, that my kids are by my side. Yeah. My husband's by my side. They will be. It's, you know, it's just, it's just this deep love and happiness that I have. And I just tell everybody, just be happy. You can find happiness anywhere. And if you look hard enough, you can. And make your life what you want it to because you only get one chance of this. If you look hard enough, you can. Absolutely. You know, don't let the world control you. You control what, how you respond. Absolutely. You know, there are all kinds of stresses and strains and, and, and things we deal with every single day. And we, if we look hard enough, we'll find the positive. Okay. I've taught, I taught the kids that, right? And, you know, I mean, I, I walk around, I, you know, Madison called me. Um, her freshman year in high school and she's and I was in Tampa at the time and she said dad I just did a presentation for my for my class um, about our family and she said and I was up in front of everybody talking and it dawned on me um, that I had to call you and I said what's happened she goes I realized when I was standing in front of that class that we were the perfect family my junior year in high school I watch these young people have babies. Yeah. And I hope one of these days that their daughter or their son calls them and says something like that oh, to yeah. them. Because that was a, she's always been able to get to me. You know this, right? That was one of the coolest things anybody's ever said to me in my life ever. Oh, yeah. And I asked her, I said, honey, what, what, made, what, what made you say that? What yeah. made you think that? And she goes, well, think about it. You were on the board of directors of the, of the charter school system. You were the voice of the of the White Tiger football team. You were up in the booth do, doing the play-by-play. -play. I was on the sidelines as the captain of the cheer squad. Michael was the MVP of his, of his basketball team his senior year. His his senior year was was her junior year, right? And mom was the was the president of the BBO. I sat with the founder of the American Heritage Charter School System the other day, yeah. interviewing him for this podcast. And I told him, I said, Coach, every single thing she mentioned was about this school. Think about it. Every yeah. single thing that she mentioned had to do with us being involved in this school. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. You know? 
They're only this age once. Yeah, and being involved in their life, no matter what it is. Yeah, and it's and it's you know I I tell I tell young people all the time that have little ones. I'm like, mine was that age yesterday. Yeah, it feels like now he's 24, six four, wears a size 14 men's shoe and eats every 15 minutes. Yeah, you know he's a beast, right? Couldn't be more proud of him if I tried, or my daughter. Yeah, it it goes so fast, and I just think you know parents out there, young people out there. You have to find work-life balance, whatever it means for you. You know, it's, I, I, I don't even want to say balance. It's just some days work's going to need you more. Some days your family's going to need you more. Do whatever feels right in your heart, regardless of what it looks like for other people. I've never known anybody in sales until I got into sales. Yeah. And finding this avenue, you know, I didn't know I wanted this fle- flexibility and freedom. I knew sitting at a desk wasn't good for me. I was going to lose my mind. Yeah. So just... Find out how it works in your dream life. If you write it down on a piece of paper and you say, you know, I want to be home with my kids or I don't want to be home with my kids. I want to only enjoy my kids on the weekend or I want to only, I don't want to have kids at all. Whatever your dream life is, if you write it down and you could find, you know, a roadmap, there is a career out there. There is a way for you to have that. You just got to look for it and you got to put yourself, your true authentic self forward in order for it to be attracted to you as well. Tom Ferry calls it a life by design. Yes. It's one of my favorite books. Yeah. Well, and it's put your names in pools that you don't belong in yet. Yep. Be in front of the people that you want to be. Seek out mentors. Seek out mentees. Whatever you need. Have imposter syndrome. Show up where you don't belong yet because you will belong there soon. Just try it. Take risks. Yeah. And don't let your bagel win. No. And just smile while you're doing it. Yeah. You know, show up in a room. Buy a buy a pair of shoes that you know you you don't know how to walk in high heels yet. You'll learn. Show up. I've literally never learned how to walk in high heels. We can practice. I don't want to. My three year old doesn't run the house now. I bet she does. Oh yeah, mommy. I bet she's a pro today. at it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that girl. But you know, it's uh, it it is what it is. Life life is short. Make it exactly what you want it to be. So speaking is one of your biggest fans. I have enjoyed this so much. Oh, I can't even tell you. Thank you so much. For thank you for me. doing this. Thanks for having me. And it's been great spending this time with you. Absolutely. Thanks for being on the Mike Litton Experience. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor. Smash that subscribe button. Tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program. And wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.